song, Timothy. Hear our prayer. Gracious Father, be merciful to us. I have just a few announcements and then Brother Jeremy's going to come and lead us in uh, or lead, uh, share with us whatever he has for us. Uh, today we have, after the service, a fellowship meal. And if I get this right, uh, well, correct me if I get it wrong. This is going to be at your place, correct, Jeremy? Okay. And uh, not, instead, we typically have it here. It's going to change. It's going to be over at the King Place right after the service. Everyone's welcome to be there for that fellowship meal today after the service. Wednesday night, we have prayer here at 7.15, prayer meeting. Um, also, the youth are invited to our place tomorrow evening. Uh, we have some things to talk about, time of socializing, maybe some time of worship. We'll see how things go. 6.45 tomorrow evening. Uh, at the Hertzler house. And then next Sunday we have back here at 10 o'clock. Everyone's welcome. Um, so I guess that'll be the first one, a new year coming up. Uh, any other announcements? Maybe there's something else that I missed. Feel free to speak up and share if there is. Okay. Well, uh, Say, Brother Jeremy could come forward. I don't see him now. Oh, there he is. <laughs> you, want to, you want to come on forward? And let's all stand together. If you could all stand and we'll join together in prayer. Let's pray. Dear Father, we sang that song. Merciful Father, hear our prayer. And we want to just echo that, Lord. We want to ask you to come and join us. Come and help us join you in your program, Lord. Father, what do you see among us now? What do you... What do you want to address among us, Lord? What is your will for us today, Lord? We want to hear your voice. I just pray, Lord, for my brother Jeremy as he shares. I pray that you take control of his mind, control of his voice, his lips. I pray that you take control of each one of our hearts. Thank you for your word. Thank you for what we've already heard today. Thank you for the songs that we've sung, the commitments we've made. Lord, if for some reason we don't mean them, I pray that you would change our hearts to mean them. I pray that you would just guide and direct us through today. Lord, we just rejoice as uh, this is what's known as uh, the, the celebration of Jesus' birth. We just want to thank you, Lord, for sending your son to this earth so many years ago. And this world has never been the same. And so, Lord, we just pray that you would make us not be the same either as we think about this and, and give you thanks for it and allow Jesus to change us. So, Lord, just bless my brother Jeremy as he shares what you've laid on his heart. And bless each one as we listen. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. God bless you, brother. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. That was a hearty good morning. <clears throat> well. You know, we all have different styles of preaching, and for me, 
it's so hard to get a message that, um, that, you know, like, oh, it's a special day, right? It's Christmas. We have to have a Christmas message. Or it's Father's Day. We have a Father. I just can't do that. That's not my style. So if you want to schedule me, don't ever schedule me on a day to preach some canned, like, the day. I have to preach. My style of preaching is always seems to be what I'm going through, what the Lord's teaching me. And um, so I was up late last night and then early this morning just, I don't know if you've ever had this happen, if you've ever preached before, but... You just are begging the Lord to give you that message, and it's not coming. And well, you you think you might know, but you really want it to be from the Lord. And I went to my wife always comes in about bedtime. She says, "Just go to bed; it'll come to you in the morning." And uh, that's a scary thought. That's a scary feeling, you know. And you know, the next morning you're going to have 50 people waiting for you to speak, and you don't want to just be rambling about nothing, you know. <laughs> so anyway, but the Lord, I believe, gave me a message. Um, it's what I thought it would be, but sometimes I get this fear and trepidation. Like, they've heard this so many times. I can't keep preaching the same message. But, um, you know, as we go around and it's this time of year, it's Christmas time. And, um, you know, it's shocking. We go into stores and we hear we hear songs, you know. It's, it's kind of a shocking thought to walk into the Dollar Tree and hear, like, Jesus and the name Jesus being over the speakers and the little Lord Jesus, you know lay down his sweet head and songs about him being the king and the Lord. And, 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 you know, we think of wise men and we think of manger scenes and we think of hot cocoa and music and Christmas hymns and all these great feelings and memories come into our hearts, um, being children. And, you know, the world wants to admire Jesus. They all want to look at little baby Jesus and say, you know, he's such a cute little thing. Um, <laughs> But yet, here we sit 2,000 years later. Can you turn this down just a little bit, Trevor? Um, we sit 2,000 years later, and we're all calling ourselves Christians. We're calling ourselves followers of Jesus, disciples of Jesus. Um, and what does that really mean? What does that really mean? You know, the world wants to admire Jesus. They want to call him this great guy, this great guy that taught such some neat things. But we are claiming something far greater. We sit here this morning claiming to be disciples. We claim, we're sitting here claiming to be followers of Jesus. And, and um, Jesus was not just uh, a cute little baby. In fact, Jesus said some pretty hard things. I wrote some things down this morning as I was meditating on this. Jesus said, unless you deny yourself and take up your cross daily and, and follow me, you cannot be my disciple." You know, that's a song that doesn't want to get played in the Dollar Tree. Um, Jesus said, if a man keep my sayings or if he obey my teachings, he will never see death. Uh, Jesus said that you, no man can serve two masters. For either he will love the one or he will hate the one and love the other or he will hold to the one and despise the other. And then he goes on and says, you cannot serve God and Mammon. Mammon was a god, a Syrian god of wealth. Um, you cannot serve God and wealth. Jesus said, if you continue in my word. I was shocked by that this week as I was reading in John. It said the Pharisees believed. They believed in him. You know, and so many, maybe we go out and give a tract to somebody and they say, oh, I want to believe in Jesus. That's great. And then Jesus turned around and said to him, if you continue in my word then you are truly my disciples. 
if you continue, if you continue daily doing the things I say. We want to admire Jesus, but do we really want to be true followers of Jesus? Jesus said, whoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he has cannot be my, my disciple. He says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Have we ever thought about that? You know, we have this general love of God, that God so loved the world, but then Jesus told his own disciples, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. <clears throat> he even told them, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Jesus has some pretty high callings. You know, as I sat there and was thinking about it, I had somebody recently talking about why, why, why am I an Anabaptist? Why do I associate with all you lovely people in this room today? And, you know, we go to camp packings and we spend time. Why am I here? You know, I've been in, I was raised in a Baptist church. Um, they, they, uh, they studied the scriptures. They knew the Bible. Um, from there, I went to a um, Bible, well, we went to a little home church. Then we went to a Bible missionary church, which is a holiness church. They believe in the second work of grace and that that um, all of us should have some work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and be freed from sin. I, I visited Pentecostal churches during that time. Man, that was loud. Um, they all, I mean, you get, you think we're, we can get excited. They had the children running down the sides of the aisles and back up the other side singing. And the pastor came up to talk to me and my brother-in-law was so loud. I, he was this far, and I could barely hear him. Loud service. Um, I visited uh, churches that were kind of associated with Bethel. I know some of you have heard of those. I mean, I saw things where people were running through prayer. Uh, prayer. What do they call them? People would stand and put their hands, and they'd run through these prayer tunnels, and people would pr pray over them as they went through, and, you know, all the stuff. I've been in, uh, what about missionary lines? All of these, all of these churches have their focus, right? You know, growing up, we focused on, in the Baptist church, we focused on the Bible and which, which version was right and study to show thyself approved unto God. And we would rightly divide the word. You'd go to another church and their focus is holiness. You know, we need to have a second work of the Holy Spirit. And that seems to be their focus. The other day, some of us young, uh, some of, I'm throwing myself in with you guys. Um, we're watching Church of God restoration. Uh, and, you know, these guys are plain coats, but they're, getting excited and you know screaming out and and like even while the preachers like they're standing up amen brother preach it and all this stuff um you know what why am i here at the end of the day why do i associate with you fine people is it because you're all nice and i just came here and thought man you guys are friendly i should move to oregon from washington um is that why is it is it because you wear head coverings? Is it because you wear certain dresses? Why am I here today, honestly? If I were to honestly tell you why I am here among you people. Though studying the Bible is a very important topic. Holiness is a very important topic. You know, speaking in tongues. Some want to make that their topic. Or, or um, healing. Very important topics. But the one thing that holds me here is because I can get up and say something like, if you do not forgive your sin, uh, people their sins, J Jesus, God will not forgive you your sins. And nobody will think I'm a heretic for saying it. Because that's what Jesus said. I can say, you should really love your enemies and not resist them. And, you know, maybe, maybe some people might look at me strange or try to come around it. But at least it's accepted that Jesus meant that. I could say, 
Jesus said, lay not up treasure, and the rich barely ever make it into heaven. And you'd probably say, well, yeah, okay, let's interpret that right. But, you know, it could be said. It could be said and stand. There's so many of these teachings. <clears throat> Jesus said, um, I wrote some of these down. Oh, he said, anger will send you to hell. And I could say that this morning, right? I could say, if you can't get a hold of anger in your life, you're going on your way to hell. And, and I don't think too many of you would say, wait a minute, brother, that theology is a little messed up, you know, and go through the reasons why Jesus didn't really mean what he said. I could say, if you can't stop lusting with your eyes, it would be better for you to gouge out your eye or go get, you know, a different kind of phone or whatever it is. Get this thing under control. That's how important it is because it'll send you to hell. I could say that, right? That's why I want to be here because... You're okay with following Jesus and letting his word stand and say we need to obey him. <clears throat> Not everywhere says that. Not everywhere they want to admire Jesus as the baby. But not everywhere says Jesus meant what he said and we need to obey that. Yes, we need holiness. Yes, we need to pray for healing. Yes, we need to study the Bible. Yes, you, you know, we should wear certain clothes or do certain things. But the most important thing is Jesus and what he says and if we obey him. <clears throat> One verse I remember years ago when I was trying to decide. I remember I was at a holiness church and some in this church would believe that, you know, it's okay to go to war, to, to join the military. And I was struggling like, Lord, but these people seem to love you. And that, you know, that's between them and, and God. I'm not here to judge them. But I remember reading this verse as I was seeking the Lord, what his will was for me. And this was in 1 Timothy chapter 6. You can turn there if you want. Verse 3. And this verse was like the, that answer. When you need that answer from the Lord, I was just, Lord, I don't know what to do. This was that verse. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 3. It says, if any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine, which is according to godliness. And he goes on and he says, from such withdraw yourself. And I took that at that time as from the Lord that I was supposed to be associating with people that consent to the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Turn to Hebrews chapter 1. It starts off, Hebrews chapter 1. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, but in these last days he spoke unto us by his Son, whom he had the pointed heir of all things. I love that we can get up here and we can read Jesus' words and take them literally. We can take them and apply them to our lives. But here's a fear I have. And this would probably be my burden for this church. There's a little verse in Timothy, 2 Timothy. Let's all turn there. Because, see, the Lord woke me up in a Baptist church with this mindset. He woke me up. But I think this can happen in any church. 2 Timothy 3, 5. <clears throat> It says this, having a form of godliness, but denying the power of, from such turn away. 
You know, there's a fear in my heart because I know I was there. And you can have it anywhere. A fear in my heart that says there's a form. There's a form. There's a consent. Yes, yes, Jesus, Jesus is our Lord. Yes, he's our master. But somehow we can be denying the power of Jesus in our lives. Turn to First, First uh, John, chapter two. I remember during this time, I this verse woke me up <clears throat> as I'm struggling because I would have been raised in a way that said that Jesus' words were not for the Gentiles; they were for the Jewish people. During that time, they rejected him as a king, and so we didn't need to take those words literally. But in 1 John chapter 2, I read this verse, and I know I've, I've read it to you many times before, but this is one of my life verses. Verse, uh, let's just pick it up in verse 3. And hereby we do know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. If you want to say this morning, I'm a disciple, I'm a follower of Jesus, your life should be reflecting Jesus. It should be, we should be able to look at every way Jesus reacted, every words he said, all of his attitudes, how he went and took time to pray, how he had compassion on the sick and the weak. And we should say that is our perfect example. We should walk like he walked. That's the calling. <clears throat> Can you turn to 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse, we'll just pick it up in verse 1. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile, that's deception, that's hypocrisy, and hypocrisies and envies and all speakings, that's newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If so be, you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, to whom coming as unto a living stones, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious, you also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore, also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, we're talking about Jesus, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builder disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner and a stumbling block and a rock of offense. And to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priest and a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness and was marvelous light which in times past were not a people, but now are a people of God and obtained mercy. Verse 11, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims abstain from 
fleshly lusts which war against the soul. My question to you is this verse right here. Verse 7. Unto you therefore which believe, he is precious. May I ask this morning, is Jesus precious to you? <clears throat> is he just a cute little baby? Or is he your main focus? If I were to put a crosshair up on this board... And I would say, what is your focus of your life? What is your days? What is what what each day drives you? What would you put in that crosshair? <clears throat> is Jesus precious? Second Timothy four eight. Verse 8, here's the promise. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them that love is appearing. Is the Lord precious to you, and are, do you love? Are you looking for his return? Are you thinking about Are you? Is it governing your life? Is, is the thought of Jesus on your mind? You know, I, I I can't help but make a parallel between Timothy and Miriam. You know, they were over at our house yesterday and, you know, newlyweds. And what do you think newlyweds do? You know, it's new for me as a father. You know, all this time I've been saying, hands off, hands off. And now all of a sudden, you know, they're hugging and, you know, holding hands. And this is all good, right? Now it's the good thing. And I would say, I would probably venture to say that Miriam is precious to Timothy. I don't think he would have any bashfulness saying that. You know, um, is Jesus that to us? Or is Jesus just a system? Is he just a thing we do on Sundays? Is he a cute baby that lays in a manger? Is he something that, you know, brings us honor among each other because we come and say we are followers of him? Listen to the words of this song. I don't think it was in our book, but it says this. Jesus is all the world to me. My life, my joy, my all. He is my strength from day to day. Without him, I would fall. When I am sad, to him I go. No other one can cheer me so. When I am sad, he makes me glad. He's my friend. Jesus is all the world to me. My friend in trial sore, I go to him for blessings. He gives them o'er and o'er. He sends the sunshine and the rain. He sends the harvest, golden grain, sunshine and rain, harvesting grain. He's my friend. Jesus is all the world to me and true to him I'll be. Oh, how could I this friend deny when he's so true to me? Following him, I know I'm right. He watches o'er me day and night. Following him by day and night, he's my friend. Jesus is all the world to me. I want no better friend. I trust him now. I'll trust him when life's fleeting day shall end. Beautiful life with such a friend. Beautiful life that has no end. Eternal life. Eternal joy. He's my friend. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 13. These words of Jesus. Ask yourself this question. Is 
Jesus precious? Is Jesus your treasure? Notice in verse 13, verse 44. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hid in a field. The which when a man hath found, he hideth. And for joy thereof goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchantman seeking goodly pearls, who when he has found the one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. You know, I was trying to think, you know, me and I I don't have a very far-reaching thought process, so I'm trying to think, okay, how can this apply to you? And I couldn't help but think of like Caleb here, you know, or, or some of you, you know, with this new gun law coming up, you know, you're searching and seeking for, you know, we got to get the guns before the, the, um, before the law starts. And, you know, I could see like if the perfect thing came up, like you're searching and you're looking, and there it is, it's the the right deal. This is a great for supplying food for my family. And so you go, <laughs> right? That's right. Yeah. So you go and you. You like do whatever it takes. Now, what if you sold like your 22 and your your um, 308 and all the stuff because it's the perfect gun? Like this thing is your what you've been thinking about. This is what Jesus is supposed to be for us. It's like, do we really think of Jesus like that? Now you fill in the blank. Maybe that's Caleb right now. But what's you know what's what's on your heart right now? What things are you really wanting? And 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 what things? Would you give up because Jesus is your treasure? He's your precious jewel. I I read this verse and I think, is Jesus really that much to me? Am I willing to sell everything? Is he that precious to me? And I think if you're like me, the reason why I'm preaching this sermon is there's so many things in life that somehow get in here. Somehow creep their way into here. You know, and, and the, I'll tell you the heart behind this. A couple weeks ago, I was very hungry for revival and for prayer and for knowing God closer. And I don't know what happened, but in a week and a half, I felt my heart was colder. It wasn't as fervent. And I had to check and say, what changed, Lord? Why, why am I not so hungry? And I just want to be honest. I want to confess that to you. Why? And as I looked into my own heart, I could see things had crowded in that took him off the throne. You know, a lot of these things can be good things. In fact, I would venture to say, for most of us, if you're watchful, you'll find good things make it in there. But they take away our focus off Christ. He's no longer that precious thing that we want, that we desperately want. You know, at the beginning of the year, it was, I know this sounds so silly, but I'm just going to be honest with you. It was a silly, my wife's father died, and the family wanted us to put together a slideshow for all the pictures. And it took, I think I spent 60 hours just finding all these pictures and putting them in. And I have a way of just pouring my heart into something. Anybody else pour your heart into things sometimes for things? Yeah. And so I start pouring my heart into this thing. And at that time, I was very seeking the Lord very close and and um, I started feeling a cooling in my heart. And, but I didn't notice it right away. It took a while. And by the time I caught it, it was months and months later. 
And um, I remember I, I, I used to talk to David, my, my brother-in-law, on the phone. And before this time, I would have some, uh, something the Lord was showing me. Just I was excited about things. But during this time, I'd, I'd have to just tell him, I, I feel so dry right now. Why do I feel so distant from the Lord? And I started to see just simple things like making a slideshow. We can, we can get our heart on that than on the, keeping it on the Lord. You know, what you may ask, well, what wasn't this last week and a half? Well, you know, I was excited about Timothy and Miriam's wedding. And so I wanted to do it well. You know, I like to do things with gusto. So I wanted to have this live stream and I wanted to, you know, have it work well. And I wanted to record the video for them so they would have the video afterwards. Because I remember our video from our wedding was really not that great. I don't even know what we have anymore. But my focus, my heart left revival and knowing Jesus and got on to things that matter, but not that much. Now, could I somehow have still done those things? That's the question. But with Jesus, I think so. But somehow I, I was just so enamored and got so focused on this thing, whatever it was, that now I'm having to repent to the Lord and say, Lord, this thing has, has come into my life. And I think if we're, if we're honest, we could put the tag on this as idolatry. I know it sounds harsh. It sounds so like, really? Jeremy, you're struggling with idolatry? But what is idolatry, really? You know, it's an interesting passage. If you look through the Bible, how many times in the New Testament we're told that people with idolatry don't inherit the kingdom of God. It says it in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. He goes through a list. And, you know, we have all these brothers meetings and we, we come on their purity meetings and we're concerned about fornication. We're concerned about adultery. And those are all good things to be concerned about. But did you know just a couple, just the next one right after fornicate is idolaters. Did you know idolatry will keep us out of the kingdom of God? What is idolatry? Galatians chapter 5 says the same thing. The works of the flesh are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry. Ephesians chapter 5. But fornication and all uncleanness and covetousness, let it not once be named among you as become saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talk nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know that no whoremonger, or unclean person, or covetous man who is an idolater, hath an inheritance. Did you know that if you have covetousness in our life, we're an idolater? And this will equal, if we don't get it out of our life, that we won't inherit the kingdom of God? I'm glad I can say that here. Maybe some people wouldn't really, uh, in some places, wouldn't accept that message. <laughs> Did you know in Colossians 3 it says this, um, Mortify, therefore, all your members which are upon the earth. Fornication, there's that list again. Uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness. What does it go on to say? And covetousness, which is idolatry. You know that covetous just means, you know, we all think, well, that means I want Abe's, you know, gun or whatever he has, right? Did you know covetous just means, if you look at the Greek, it just means more in, quant it's two words, more and it's quantity or quality. 
Did you know that if somehow something creeps into these crosshairs of quantity and quality that takes Jesus off of his throne and, and we focus on that, it's idolatry. Do you know a slideshow could become an idol? Isn't that crazy? A slideshow. But if it's stealing our focus off of Jesus, okay, now let's think about this. Like, what if Jesus told his disciples, you know, I want you to go over to heal that man. They're like, I'm busy making a slideshow. <laughs> Would they be idolaters? Yeah. Maybe if they're not listening. <coughs> First Corinthians says this. So this morning when I woke up, I was like, Lord, what should I preach on? I need to know what you want for your people. And I did not have this verse in my mind. It just came in my mind. Flee from idolatry. Okay, Lord take that from you. I hadn't even been meditating on that verse, so I think we need to take it to heart. Flee from idolatry. <clears throat> Did, uh, let's look at that really quick. It's in um, 1 Corinthians 10. <coughs> I'm not here to give you a black and white list of what idolatry is, but I am here to say if your conscience is bearing witness that you're cold to the Lord, you know, idols, they don't speak, right? They don't hear, and they don't do anything with their hands. If your God is not, if you're not communing with him and hearing from him, he's not, he's not speaking to you, and you don't feel like you're talking to him, then maybe we've got a problem with idolatry. Maybe your God is not the God. You're not worshiping the right God. What did I say? First Corinthians chapter 6, no, 10, sorry. So he's talking about the Israelites and he says, you know, they all drank from the spiritual rock and they, they were baptized with the same. They went on through this cloud, through the sea and all these things. And then he says, but with many of them, verse five, but with many of them, God was not well pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also neither be idolaters as were some of them. Listen. Listen what it says, the idolaters. The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. That's all it says. It doesn't even mention the calf. It mentions that they were looking for fun, right? They were looking to rise up and play. Um, eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day, three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of the serpent. Neither murmur ye. Notice complainings thrown in here. And then he gets down to verse uh, 14 of this chapter. Wherefore, because of all these things, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. He's not talking to outside the church. He's saying, my dearly beloved, my brothers and sisters, flee from idolatry. What kind of idols can we have in our hearts? The last chapter of 1 John John ends this book with little children. Keep yourself from idols. It's a big it's a big subject. I don't even know what it all means. But as I meditate and think about what is idolatry, it's anything that takes Jesus out of his rightful place in our hearts. 
Turn, if you can, to 2 Corinthians 10. Anything that takes Jesus out of his rightful place. Second Corinthians chapter five, ten. Sorry, did I say ten verse five? Yeah, sorry. It says here, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Here, I believe we can get a definition for idolatry. An imagination is a thought. Um, a reasoning, a reckoning. So when I have a thought, you know, I want to do a slideshow, that's an imagination, right? It hasn't come to fruition. It's a thought. I'm thinking about it. And this verse goes on to say that every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. You know, we have a way, this problem of idolatry goes all the way back to the beginning of the garden. We start off with man and and Eve eating after God told them not to. They made she made an idol of this fruit. It looked good, um, pleasant to the eyes. Then later we see Cain and Abel, and we see an, an idol of how they were going to worship God. One said, "I will do it this way, not that way. I will bring of my, the fruit of my field. I will bring vegetables, you know, and that's how I'll worship you, God." And he ca- he had his own imagination, and he exalted that. Above how God said. Here we say, here we see in this verse, any imagination that comes into our heart that exalts itself above, that's lifting up itself above God's rightful place in our heart to where now we're not willing to obey him is an idol. So anything that enters into this crosshair and and kind of pushes Jesus out a little bit now we're focused on this thing and Jesus can't say to us do this or do that <coughs> is an idol I want to turn to um, Mark and look at this parable the parable of the sower Chapter 4. Verse 3. He says, Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow, and it came to pass as he sowed, some fell by the wayside. And the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. And some fell on the stony ground where it had not much earth. And immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched. And because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns. And the thorns grew up and choked it. And it yielded no fruit. And others fell on good ground and did yield fruit and sprang up and increased. And brought forth some 30 and 60 and some 100. This parable we cannot forget. This is told for a reason. This is so important. So everybody don't look at your Bible. 
let's see if we can do this together. What was the first plan? Can anybody remember what was the first plan? The first, the first, the first seed that sowed. Where did it go? Sorry, I'm not being heard. What was that? Okay, hardened ground, the wayside. That would be kind of like if I threw some seed out on the road, right? It couldn't really go into its pack down, and so the birds came and stole it away. What was? So we'll just put hard here. What was the second one? Yes, good. So we'll draw some rocks here. Um, so we'll just put rock. Rocky, okay? What was the third one? Thorns. So we'll put some thorn plants. What was the last one? What did you say? Good, yeah, good. I think you farmers should understand this really well. There's a reason Jesus told us this. Okay, so let's jump ahead. Now, I mean, you all know this story, right? Let's see it from memory if we can do it. What happened to the seed that fell here? Birds came and took it away. Do you, does that mean there's any life in them? They're gone, right? The seed. By the way, does anybody know what the seed is? The word of God. It says it in Luke, the word of God, and it says in Matthew, the word of the kingdom. So these two things are interchangeable. So this little seed is the word of God. The word of God came down into their heart. Now, how do we know it's his heart? Well, in Mark it says this: the birds came. And stole it out of their heart. So we know that this whole parable is about your heart this morning. If your heart's this hard, the word of God does nothing. There's no life. You're not even <coughs> Because nothing can produce any fruit in your life. Okay? What was the second parable? You can remember. It withered. Yes. Why? The sun came out. So the sun came out. And we'll put this plant kind of just like drooping down. Okay? The, the net result is what? Is it alive or dead? Dead. Does it have life? No. It said, can anybody remember why, other than the rocks, anything other features about why it died? Yes, it had no root in itself. The thing couldn't grow roots, okay? Thorns. What happened here? choked it out. So we'll put this little plant coming up, but it just has hardly anything, right? It just has no what? Fruit. Okay. If I plant a piece of corn into the ground, what do I expect to come from it? Anybody tell me how this verse goes? The word of God is 
powerful or living? Quick is living. So it's living. It's alive. And what does it do? Pierces. What's that? Pierces. <coughs> dividing of thunder. And, and what does it say? It's a discerner of what? Thoughts and intents. So if the word of God is in your heart and producing, what should it be doing? It should be discerning your thoughts and intents. It should be saying, is that to the obedience of Christ? Is that to the obedience of Christ? What did Jesus say about this? What should Jesus say about that, right? That's Jesus living in you. So if there's no fruit coming out of that, then you might be here, right? Because the last one, can you remember how many uh, it brought forth? 30 and 60 and 100. So this thing's got, you know, the word of God is coming out of their life. God is all day long. Okay, think back last week, Wednesday. We'll just pick that for your day. Um, 7 o'clock in the morning, you woke up, or maybe you got up earlier, hopefully, and you read the Bible. <laughs> and did the word of God, did the word of God bring fruit? By 10 in the morning, was it still bringing fruit? Was it still reminding you what Jesus said? By 11, by was it bringing fruit in your life? Was it producing godliness? Was it changing you? Was, were you growing in grace? By 5 o'clock in the afternoon, by 6 in the evening, okay? I don't think, if you're here this morning and you really believe you have life in Jesus, I don't think you're here. And I don't think you're here because the thing's withered and gone. You probably wouldn't come here. You probably are in one of these two camps. Notice this thing still has life. But it doesn't have fruit. It's not producing the word of God in your heart. Remember the Pharisees, they read the Bible all day long, and Jesus said, you've never heard their word at any time. So my question is, and this is my burden, <coughs> where are we? Can anybody remember, without having to read it, what are the things that choke the word? Cares. Um, what's that? Can I add something here? Did you know in both Gospels it says the deceitfulness of riches? You ever thought about that? What's deceitful about wealth? Okay. Could it ever deceive us that we think we're doing okay with the Lord and it's really choking us? Can riches and wealth what did Jesus say? Now I can say this, right? Because you guys all, you, you guys believe in following Jesus. He said, "What did he say about love?" I, I think it was Roger who wrote a book on it. You can't serve God and money. You can't serve God and money. Okay. What else did he say about love? Sell and give.
anybody raise their hand and say they their conscience bears witness that these things steal away the presence of the Lord and the joy of the Lord and the focus of the Lord? I'll raise my hand. <laughs> We're either one of these two places most likely. Unless you're not born again, you're probably one of these places. And we would be foolish and pretty deceit, deceived to think that say in America we have it probably the worst among a lot of countries because of this right here. <clears throat> it deceives us the greatest. <clears throat> Before we close we have about nine minutes. Let's go to Luke. And I just want us to, the burden of the message this morning is this. Do we have idols in our heart? Yeah, we want to say Merry Christmas and we want to say Jesus is the reason for the season and we want to think all these great thoughts about Jesus. But are we really his disciples? Are we really his followers? Luke chapter 10. <clears throat> is Jesus precious to us? Luke 10, verse 39. Now it came to pass as they went, he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about with much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care about my sister who hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful, and Mary has chosen that good part which shall be not taken away from her. I want to just dissect this a little bit and look at this. First of all, where was Mary sitting? What? Why? What was she doing there? She had one thing she wanted, right? She had one focus, and that was Jesus' word, his teaching. I want to, I want to know who you are. I want to know how you think. You are my focus. Martha, on the other hand, was doing good things, right? She was serving. She was probably making a slideshow. But notice what Jesus said. Martha, Martha. Notice the care in his voice. He calls her two times out to get her attention. He says, Martha, Martha, you are careful and troubled. Careful is an old English word for um, full of care. What kind of things can enter into our hearts that we put our attention towards? You know, this, <laughs> that silly mic up there. You know, um, it, it didn't work very good, by the way. But um, I was tempted. I, I had wanted to be here early to test it, and some things happened. We couldn't get out on time, and... And, you know, I was tempted to put my um, attention, <laughs> you know me, put my attention and focus on that, you know. Isn't that a cool thing? 
<laughs> By the way, it was supposed to pick up all of you guys talking. So I was doing it for you and for all of our listeners. But anyway, and, and I could have easily have made that my focus on the way because we got out late and we weren't able to get here in time to really get it set up like I was hoping. But is that really what matters? And you see how little things crowd in and we become careful in trouble and then we get frustrated and we complain and we murmur about silly things like mics and being late, you know? And we forget the focus. What is the focus? The focus of this life of being a true follower of Jesus is to follow him and to sit at his feet. And I think sometimes we can set up mics and do things like that, but we really have to watch our heart. We really have to watch our heart. Now, notice what he says. He says, you are cumbered. That word means to be drawn around, you know, from this thing to the next thing. You're drawn away. You're drawn away. You're, your focus isn't there anymore. He says, you're drawn away by many things. But then he says, one thing is needful. And she's shown that, chosen that better thing. Only one thing. Everything in your life right now, there's only one thing that's needful. You know, just go through your mind, all the things last week that maybe stole your peace, stole your joy, stole your focus. Might be boyfriend and girlfriends. Just saying, that could happen. You know, it might be projects. I, I, I know exactly this feeling. <clears throat> One thing is needful. What is the one thing that's needful? What's the one thing that's needful? That's right. And you know, that might mean you wake up on Tuesday morning and, you know, for whatever reason, your alarm clock didn't go off and you couldn't read the Bible. Can you still listen to Jesus' word all day? Can you still sit at his feet? You know, some, you, we talked about this. Carl brought it up in the, in the first hour. Checklist, right? Do you know you could read the Bible and never sit at Jesus' feet all day? That's a scary one. You all checked your list and said you sat at Jesus' feet. Do you think Jesus would rather you not read the Bible but commune with him all day and meditate on one verse that somebody preached on Sunday? That's how the early church did it. I'm not trying to say don't read your Bible. That's a good step in the right direction. But what I am trying to say is the one needful thing is that we sit at Jesus' feet all day while we work, while we play, while we set up mics, you know, while we make slideshows. Whatever it may be that you do, the one needful thing is that you sit at Jesus' feet. What is one needful thing you do in life that you have to do or you won't live? Breathe. I mean, you could live for a couple of days without eating. But you can't live very long without breathing, right? That's one needful thing. And what is the one needful thing that we need to do? Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. That proceeds out of the mouth of God. The one needful thing you need to be thinking about is where is that little seed finding the soil? And where is your heart at? 
way to know that is where's your focus? Where does your focus? 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, 2, 3. And it, I am a human just like you. I, we vacillate, right? We need to have these weekly reminders to remind us of these things. To remind us that, oh, I've gotten off course again. That's why we need each other. Provoke one another to love and good works. Uh, To get up here and act like I'm some guy that has this all figured out and I never struggle with this is just, would be a a hypocrite. Listen to the words of this song. Sitting at the feet of Jesus, oh, what words I hear him say. Happy place so near, so precious. Is Jesus precious? May it find me there each day. Sitting at the feet of Jesus, I would look upon the past. For his love has been so gracious. It has won my heart at last. Sitting at the feet of Jesus, where can mortal be so more blessed? There I lay my sins in sorrow, and when weary, find sweet rest. Sitting at the feet of Jesus, there I love to weep and pray. While I from... His fullness gather grace and comfort every day. Bless me, O my Savior, bless me. As I sit low at thy feet, I'm waiting. O look down and love upon me. Let me see thy face so sweet. Give me, Lord, the mind of Jesus. Keep me holy as he is. May I prove I've been with Jesus, who is all my righteousness. So what I say, my burden is flee from idolatry daily hourly the second you notice that your passion and your focus is leaving your hunger for righteousness check your heart there's probably something some focus that you've allowed to creep and push jesus out cast it down cast down every imagination to the obedience of christ and let's keep each other um, accountable let's ask each other how we're doing um let's keep jesus as our focus thank you and thanks for being the group that we